In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Father, we thank you because your ears are ever tuned to the sound of our voices. Thank you because you hear us. We pray in accordance with your will. We know we have the confidence that you have heard. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. As we go into studying your word again, in the matter of prayer, we receive from you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened. And we are, we are having insight in all that you want us to know. Yes. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Therefore, we declare as follows. Now I declare, the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. His word is entering my heart. giving me light and direction. He's healing me in every area. He's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Your understanding is your portion again today in Jesus' name. Amen. Insight, illumination is coming to you in a new dimension this afternoon in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, greet somebody on your left, please, and on your right, tell the person, you're welcome, you're very wise. Congratulations, insight, it's your portion. In the name of Jesus. All right, the Lord is good, oh. (laughs) Okay. Alright, so I'll school of prayer again this evening, and we are looking, we have been talking about this prayer warrior thing for some time, and I don't think we are done with it yet. Uh, let, me just, let me just read some portions, okay, let's use that one to kick off today. Let's open our Bibles quickly to, um, which one do we start with? Okay, James chapter 5, the book of James chapter 5. He said, is anyone among you suffering? I'm sorry, I'm in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. And pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah, he said in verse 17, was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. I'm going to stop reading verse 18. Let's stop there. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. We know the story here, being that that happened between Elijah and Ahab. You know, he 
confronted the prophets of Baal. We know that story, don't we? Uh-huh. And then there was a showdown, as we know. Maybe should, let's just read it slightly. Let's, let me just quickly get down to that. First Kings chapter... Sorry, it's First Kings. The story is from chapter 17, but let's just go down to where it is. First Kings chapter 18 is where the account is, just that which um, James referred to. I just want us to read it again because we have been referring to it um, in the last few meetings on this subject. That's our school of prayer. Uh, we know that Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal. And then we know the story about how they gathered and then he prayed and then fire fell. And that one convinced Israel again that they are supposed to worship the true God. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That convinced them. And then, of course, that um, was after, just like we read from James now, there had been no rain for a number of years. So rain was the thing that was urgent on their minds. So now reading verse um, 41. Now Elijah said to Ahab, that's First Kings chapter 18. I'm reading from verse 41 now. Now Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. I like King James that says, read it. if you have a King James, just read that for me, I like it. Thank you. The King James says, there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. But even though he had heard a sound, Elijah did not go to eat and drink. Even though he had heard a sound, Elijah did not just go home. What did Elijah do? He went up to the top of Carmel, and he crashed down on the earth and put his face between his knees. He said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. That is, we believe God, something great is about to happen, but we look around, nothing is happening yet. And he said, go back. And the man went back, came back and said, there is nothing. He told him, go back again. The man went, came back, said, there is nothing. Elijah said, go back again. The Bible says that he said this seven times. It came about at the seventh time that he said, behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, so that the heavy shower does not stop you. In a little while, the sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower. Let me just complete reading that chapter. And, Elijah, and, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Jezreel. And then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his loins and outran Ahab. To Jezreel. That was a he's in both spirits. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> the Lord came upon him and then he outran Ahab's chariot. And don't forget, that's the king's chariot. The best horses. It's not one horse. Do you understand my point? Uh-huh. Now, but that's the hand of the Lord manifesting in his life. Now, why did we read this? I wanted to notice something. I've been saying it again and again. I need to say it one more time. Except there is expectation, prayer is not possible. Prayer is not a place we get... Sit up, sit up. Don't make me feel like you came to play. Sit up. Please, let me just say all of you. There are poses you do, I get discouraged. Even in my house, when I'm teaching my children, they're not allowed to, to lounge. Occasionally, people don't know. When you're somewhere, do your best and not be an anointing killer. 
If you are feeling sleepy, stand up. Come here, dozing. What's happening that you're making me look like a boring preacher? I start feeling bad. I have to consciously look. There are some people where they are anointing killers. <laughs> now, this is just like the way. I'm not kidding. Catherine Kuhlman used to hand pick those who sat in front at her meetings. If you go to Catherine Kuhlman's meetings, the front seats are reserved. Not for important preachers. No. Thank you for faith boosters. Yes, Catherine Kuhlman used to do that. You come for our meetings, those who sat in front were picked. That's why I tell you, if I'm reading the Bible, if I look up and you're staring at me, it takes all the discipline in me not to tell you to get out. All the discipline I can muster. That's why I can't understand you come for Bible so you don't have your Bible. If you don't have, please sit at the back. Don't sit in front. If you're sitting in front, hold a Bible. I'm serious. You will hold a Bible. So it, it can be on your phone. I really don't care. As long as it's there. And we are looking at it together. Once you look like you want to entertain yourself, don't sit on the first row. Hide behind the pillar in Jesus' name. Amen. Just hide somewhere. Hmm? I told those of you come regularly. If you say, I'm coming from work, I don't understand why your Bible can't go to work. I don't understand it. And if it's so bad, leave it behind here. Go and beg uh, Reverend Felix. Say, good afternoon, sir. Can I just hide my Bible under this? No, but he won't mind. So help me do this work. Are you getting my point? <laughs> you now sit in front and now do like you want to sleep. You come stretch your leg. That your leg is still intact. It's the anointing of God. <laughs> Otherwise, what I want to do is to... <laughs> if some of you could see my heart, you will run. I'm reading the Bible like this. I look up like this. And I see you looking at me. The Lord is good. I did that just by the way, but let's, let's, I'm just talking about it because I want all of us to learn it. Do you understand my point? Yes, let, let's, let's learn it. Let's learn it. I, if I, like on Saturdays, I made it a rule. As the time, yes, I could not be recording. I told co-workers, you must even dress properly. If you're not a co-worker, because everybody comes, so I don't make it. But I see you regularly, or you're a co-worker. I don't want you coming here with your, your, your you know, your, your uh, Udechuku's nickel, you know. You know you're working for Udechuku. You know what I mean? Ude is a mechanic. <laughs> okay, some of you don't know. Okay. At our top, bro. He's a mechanic. As if you are working for him, you wear your mechanic knicker. Anyway, I know you have fine one, no? Ide house. If you say, okay, this is the only one I have. That's not the problem. Again, see Felix. He will sort you out. Hmm? Just see him. So, but when let's come, let's just look like, you know, <laughs> the Lord is good. You encourage me to preach properly. I'll be happy to see your face. So everybody, sit up. Tell your neighbor, sit up. Yeah. That's how we do it in the army. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yes, that's how I do it in the army. I like military discipline. <laughs> you do more of it, anointing will fall. Hallelujah. <laughs> See what only you have, have caused today. <laughs> only you. Only you. <laughs> if I have two of you, what will happen? <laughs> The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, let's get back to our teaching for today. Okay, now, so we have been looking at this, the issue of um, being a prayer warrior. And I began to explain, I've said it many times, that without hope in the heart, prayer is impossible. You cannot pray except you have hope. It is not in the place of prayer you find hope. You come to the place of prayer because you have hope. You have expectation. 
you expect that if, if I may but touch the hem of his garment. So in the place of prayer, you are walking through the crowd. You are pushing the other people aside so that they will allow you to touch the hem of his garment. That's what prayer is about. Prayer is not the place you come to try to see whether something will happen. It's only after hope has been generated that prayer can be possible. You understand? And we say that is why people, that's why they can be tenacious in the matter of prayer. That's why they can be importunate. That's why they can continue, you know, standing at the door of the home of their friends and say, of their friend and say, lend me three loaves. And we've said that God in this context is our friend. We have come to his house to say, I have need of three loaves. You don't say things like that except you know he has three loaves. How do we know the things that he has in his store? It's just what he has described for us in scripture. It's what the word of God has explained to us. Those things generate for us what? Hope. They generate for us expectation. We know that even if we don't have it now, we are making certain adjustments in our lives so that we may have that thing manifested. You know, our experiences do not dictate what is right and what is wrong. Because we understand, like Elijah, if Elijah had stopped after he had prayed that prayer four times, it wouldn't, it wouldn't mean that he was wrong when he said the, there was a sound of abundance of rain. That, that wouldn't be right. It's just that he was not persistent enough. He was not patient enough. He was not convinced enough. If he, were, if he was, he would have waited until that sound uh, will manifest. You see, one thing you notice here is that he stopped praying when, uh, and he sent a message to Ahab to move. The rain was closed. At the response, that is, in response to just a little sign. It was just a little sign. What did he see? If you look at that, the, uh, the servant said he saw what? I just want to say, eh? Yeah, he saw. Let me just read it out, please. Okay? Which verse is that? Let me just get there. Verse uh, 44. All right? He said, it came about in the seventh time that he said, that is, I told him, go back. The seventh time he told him that, he said, Behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. Do you get my point? This man saw that only because two reasons made him see that. One, the sky was empty. Two, he was looking for any sign. I don't know whether you're getting my point. <laughs> that little cloud, the size of a man's hand, it wouldn't be encouragement to a normal person. It's only encouragement to the person who is looking out for what God wants to do in his life. You are getting my point here. That is, I'm sick. I've been sick um, for a long time. And I've prayed and I'm believing God. And every day I declare the word of God over my life. And then normally, you know, when I want to get up in the morning, somebody, uh, somebody has to help me up. Okay, but this morning I wake up as an example. And then I'm able to pull myself up to a sitting position. I can't get up yet, but I can pull myself up to a sitting position. For an average person, that's no big deal. After all, those who are perfectly well, they get up and they jump up. You know, if they want to wiggle like that, they just jump up and run into the bathroom. You know, you know that's what you ask. But then the man of faith, the woman of faith, say, ah, hey, for one week to get up, somebody has to pull my hand. Today I was able by myself to hold the pole of the bed and pull myself up to a, a sitting position. The person starts celebrating. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He starts celebrating. He say, good, the word is working. Even though it's a little sign. Do you understand my point? Even though it's a little sign, it's a little sign, it's just a little sign. It's a, it, I mean, just a, the cloud, the size of a man's hand, but he's celebrating. 
Elijah already knows that this is a sign of good things to come. Are you getting my point? That's why some of us, any positive thing we see in the country, some of us, we celebrate it. For us, it's a sign. It's a sign. And let me say something to you again, which I've said, of course, hundreds of times. Life is spiritual. What we are doing, I pray we will understand it. Such little celebrations like Elijah here, you understand, is going to amplify the cloud. The cloud is going to move closer. That is what is drawing the clouds closer. That is what is expanding that little cloud that's just the size of a man's hand and making it cover the whole sky with black cloud, which begins to pour as immense rain, uh, in, you know, intense rain. Rain starts pouring in quantities. That's because the man stood there, and the moment he saw a little cloud, he celebrated that the appearance of that little cloud. That's how people of faith work. You know, I told you before, you know, I used to argue with people. I still do it once in a while. Sometimes I just have the fun. I just enjoy the fun of it, you know. That is, you are just in the arguing mood. I just look for unbelieving people. Let me just disagree with them today. In Jesus' name, let me disagree. Usually my classmates from old, you understand. And it's nice for me when I do that because they know me. They are, they are waiting for it. If I want to have not come to the defense of the country, they are wondering what is going on. So occasionally I just pick on somebody. I told you the day I, the day I finished one of my classmates who lives in the UK. Another person said, are you sure this guy is a pastor? There was nothing. Look, I wasn't nice. I finished that guy thoroughly. I finished him inside out. He had this, he had this you know, he used to take delight in insulting the country. So one day I washed him down. I said, your problem is that you are unhappy. So you need to make us feel bad to justify the fact that you are suffering in London. <laughs> I told him, you see, you're a second-class citizen, bloody refugee. And he back to what I said. So, you see, I used to argue with people a lot. I try not to do much of it now. And the reason why I, don't, I try not to do as much as before is because I realized that what my viewpoint is dictated by my faith. I realized that my, faith, my, my viewpoint is dictated by what? By faith. I just realized that. So that's why these days I try not to, as much as possible, argue with people who don't understand, who don't understand what I understand, who are not seeing life from my perspective. What I'm seeing is not a result of common knowledge. What I'm seeing is not a result of common intelligence. The only reason why a little cloud, the size of a man's hand in the whole horizon will encourage me is because my name is Elijah. It's because I've heard the sound of abundance of rain. If I had not heard it, I wouldn't be encouraged. Do you get what I'm trying to say here? The reason why that little cloud will encourage me, why, I mean, I've been sick for weeks, for months, and then one morning I'm able to get up by myself, and I start rejoicing and celebrating it. It's because I have read Isaiah 53 until I am persuaded about it. Please, I've not gotten to the thing I want to teach today. We're supposed to read from Habakkuk chapter 2. This is just to remind us of what we've been talking about. But let me just get into something, all right? I want to just explain something here. Seven times this happened. Elijah will pray. will tell the man, go and check. His servant will go and come back and say nothing. It's interesting that it was seven times. Like we've been taught, seven is a spiritually significant number. All numbers are about seven it speaks of something. Um, uh, Daniel prayed for three weeks, and his answer arrived. But he was ahead the first day, right? And the angel moved out that day one. And to enter into the, the territory 
that Daniel was living all right, in was a problem. There was a shield, kind of, that had been thrown over the area by a particular spiritual prince. And Daniel's angel, Daniel's messenger, had to fight. And he couldn't get in for three weeks until a superior warrior was sent to come and help. And that was um, Michael. Now, what I always say about that is, so you mean it took God three weeks to remember there's a Michael? I don't know whether you're getting my point. You said you were ahead on first day, on the first day. So the person that sent you, you telling me I was ahead on day one, did not know there was Michael, or Michael was busy. Okay, if Michael was busy, why did he keep me there resisting? When you that Michael wouldn't come for some time, she would have all sat in heaven, be singing praises, shouting holy, holy, until Michael said, I don't, I don't finish. They will now go and go and try to come. Now, anytime you see things like that in the Bible, there's always a spiritual something inside it. There's always, you know. My, the day I began, I under, began to understand such things was when I, um, I, I, I wondered why God didn't tell Samuel, go to the house of Jesse, anoint for me David. And now, I mean, a prophet, you hear the voice of God. Now I just get there and say, hmm, Jesse, how no? I perceive in my spirit. In fact, the Lord said to me, you have a son. His name starts with D. D, D, D. Is that D, D? Any of your children starting with D? D, D. Ah, is that what I'm saying? There are three of them. Close his eyes again. D, A. David, David. The Lord says David. And they'll just go there. No need to call a ceremony. Anoint David and go. But God he didn't do that. God said, go to the house of Jesse. Sit down there. The king will show up. Until out of frustration. He had to ask the man that, let me go and, before I go and pray about my prophetic anointing, are you sure these are all your children? And that one just said, uh, he looked to the left, looked to the right. <laughs> he said, prophet, why are you reminding us of things that were not supposed to be discussed? The last guy was actually a problem. David's birth was a, was a scandal. It was a scandal. Anyway, make a long story short. They now called David, you know the rest of the story. Now, I learned from that. One day, once after I read that, I just learned that what God was saying, in fact, it was recorded for our learning. What God was saying is that if you check each time, he will say, Eliab, Eliab, I have rejected him. You understand? Neither has the Lord chosen this one. I have rejected him. The point is that each person was considered. That's the point. Eliab was a choice before David, but he did not qualify. He did not purify himself. He did not live in a particular way. He did not hold on to the right values. That's why people start arguing whether you're once saved, you're always saved. You can be once saved and always useless. Are you getting my point? That's what we should understand. Let's stop arguing about whether I'm once saved and always saved. Is once saved can be permanently useless, even though he can be saved later. Let's not argue that. Why do you want to live through the earth and you are useless? Many people that God showed them prophetic visions concerning their destiny they will never get there. That just by the way, all right? So usually in those things, you look closely. God will help you understand. So back to the issue of uh, Daniel. Why did Daniel wait three weeks? But all the while he was praying. This is my conviction, all right? He did not know somebody was fighting on his behalf. I hope you understand that point. He was just praying. This is what I'm convinced about. Each day he prayed, he put something in place, in prayer. Each day he prayed, all right? The Holy Spirit brought to him a different prayer point. Each day he prayed, he rearranged, you see Elijah, he rebuilt the altar of God. He put the stones in order. Each day he prayed, the Lord will say to him, the way you've been talking is why the angels can't come into your life. 
So he spends a day sharply correcting him or her on how the fellow spoke in the home, how the fellow will talk about the situation in their home, how the husband will, will talk with, to his wife, how the wife will talk to the husband, how they will talk with their children, how they address their boss. That's the one. Next, they continue praying. They are waiting for the angel bringing abundance. And then the, the second day, the Holy Spirit brings up again say, you are not accountable. You are spendthrift. You understand? Second day, the prayer is changing things. The third day, it goes on, on and on and on like that. It's when all the stones have been put in place that Michael is released. Michael is not released because God suddenly remembered. Michael is released because the time has come for the release of Michael. Do you get my point? That's it. Angels don't fire, fire. You know, you've, you've read, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Frank Peretti, piercing the darkness, this present darkness. So they bring out, look, angels don't fight like that. The Bible says the sword of the spirit is the word of God. That's how they fight. When they come to battle, in fact, I remember one episode of Touched by an Angel that I watched then. All right, it was Sunday, they said they were going for spiritual battle. They were going for warfare, spiritual warfare. And one man tagged along pretending to be an angel, even though he was not an angel. You know, of course, no television, this drama. <laughs> So when they got there, and I noticed something, the angels, they were fighting with the demo, demons there. And, but they were all standing, and they were talking. And you know, it just dawned on me. I said, this is a real spiritual battle. And this is a real spiritual battle. If you ever watched an old Yoruba film, and I don't often recommend those guys, but this one I want to recommend them. Get the Yoruba drama that's like 35 years old. I don't know where you're going to find it, but just assume you will find it. We grew up on things like that. They will come to our school to act on our, in our stage. We, when you watch on TV, you watch them. Then when videos became the in thing, of course, they made cinemas of it. Then when videos became the in thing, I started watching them. But one thing that they always had a fight. You know Chinese film? You know the way Chinese films go? There's always a last fight between <laughs> Bruce Lee. You know, there must be one guy, actor, and the boss. Thank you. Oh, God, you guys grew up under those circumstances. <laughs> There's always actor and the boss is one last fight. And like we say, actor, no, they die, lie, lie. It's not possible. <laughs> and the Chinese film is fight, hand fight. You understand? Somebody will twist into the sun, come dropping down with a master punch and stuff like that. That's Chinese film. This interesting part. The same spirit happened also in Yoruba films. All right? The difference is that their own last fight is always between the good man and the wicked fadi Yoluru. Write that down. <laughs> There's one guy, Fadei, he you know, the Jim Ali films. There's one, there was one Fadei there. The good guy was Awuru. Can you remember him? Yeah, you remember. <laughs> and there was Shabumi, who was always on the side of Awuru. These are the good people. In real life, that woman was the wife of Fadei, actually. <laughs> but they always opponents in every film. And then they will have their last fight, okay? Their own fight, unlike the Chinese fight, is a spiritual one. Yeah, that one that's more spiritual. You see, is you see them they stand against each other and they battle with words from the beginning to the end. It's words. That one will come. He will tell you they will tell the history of the Roko tree. They will tell the history of when the Duduwa arrived. And what uh, uh, what they call it? What's the name of the far guy? The god of Ifa. No, the real one, the god of uh, Orumila. They will tell you what Orumila said to uh, uh, to uh, Oduduwa. And what to do, I said. And this one, this one. They'll keep telling stories. Telling stories. And it's fight, too. And by the time he's finishing the story, somebody's falling down. That one will stagger like he wants to die. <clears throat> then he'll wake up. 
and say, impossible. Let me stick, stick with English now. Impossible. The fish that swallow this cannot do this one. And when the fleet does this, it also, if you swallow Jonah, you must vomit. They, they will go. <laughs> they will go. And you know what? Which children? That's, that's, we are classmates that will memorize the whole thing. Come to school and start reciting. Kai! We respected those guys. You go, we, we couldn't. They had everything in their heads. Now, the point I'm making that, that's spiritual battle. Now that I know scriptures, I know that is the Chinese one will be spiritual battle. That one is the spiritual battle. It's always a battle of words. Always a battle of words. They will stand there and be uttering words against each other. At the end of the day, the fellow that has the more powerful words, supported by the, by the more powerful spirit, will win. Do you understand what I'm going to say here? I look back, I say, man, those guys understood spiritual things. That's as angels too. They don't think they carry The sword of the spirit is the word. So, Michael coming is not because he grabbed Mosul. It's just that God gives him more authoritative words. I don't know whether I get my point. He carries revelations and understandings that the other angels don't have. When he opens his mouth to speak, the devils run faster. He comes with more, his authority is in words. He has more understanding. God has given him more revelation has packed more words in his mouth. So that when it comes to utter, those guys respond. The point I'm making is, is why does God, re- why did God release him? He should the command that he should go. It was after my, um, Daniel had said certain prayers and God had granted certain mercies. That was what caused Michael to be released and for the prince of Persia that was holding back his arrival to give way. Now, notice that point, okay? Now, in the same way, I am convinced, when Elijah began to pray, he went the first time he prayed. He possibly pleaded God's mercy, possibly, all right? On the lack of sacrifices for some time, all right? So he told them, go and check. That one went there, said nothing. He came back. He began to plead God's mercy on the fact that they had not observed Sabbath for a while. He went back and checked. He said there is nothing. He came back. He checked again. Oh, these people have been disobedient to parents. He will pray again. He kept on praying. Do you understand? Until he had filled every hole, put every stone. Now, the type he put down for the sacrifice, now he had put it spiritually. And then suddenly things broke through. What am I going to say? When we are praying in our personal lives, that's the same thing. We pray to God. We receive something from him. He has not manifested physically, but we know it's coming. Why has it not manifested? That's what we'll start checking. You know, I've said this many times. That is what prayer and fasting is about. Fasting for the believer is not to suffer so that God will feel sorry. God will feel sorry for your suffering. Say, God, you will answer me. Why? Because of you, I have not eaten for three days. Uh, if you can look at me. I've seen people say before, this one that you are fasting for three days, <laughs> those who did not fast, hey, God will answer you before he answers them. In their head, I started laughing. Listen, if all they did was go hungry, they remain in their stubbornness and ignorance. Believe me, God responds to a face. People that call him by his proper names, that's what he responds to. It's not people who go hungry. So what, what is it for us believers? Fasting is for us to keep realigning ourselves, putting the altar of our hearts back to order. Do you understand my point? Putting the altars of our hearts back to order. Putting the stones in the proper places. 
repenting of wrong attitudes. Please, don't bother yourself whether when you are saved, you are always saved. You are too busy with that. I don't know whether you get my point. You are too busy with other things. Not to be seen. Look, you are too busy with making spiritual advancement. You are too busy with correcting your heart. You are too busy with becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus. That you cannot be bothering yourself with whether I'm always saved. Do you follow the point I'm trying to make? Okay? That's what I believe happened. Like I said, that's just a, just a, an aside thing. So, when things are delayed, we celebrate little victories. We keep on working ourselves. We keep on working on our hearts. We keep on checking. Look, when we want to fast, that's what the fasting is about. Fasting never persuades God. Fasting never changes Him. Fasting affects us. And it does nothing. I will say it until everybody believes it. Even those who are angry with it initially, they will not finally believe it. It has nothing to do whether you are hungry or you are not. It's just about removing every distraction for your, from your life so you can focus on what God wants to say to you. Did you hear what I said? So you can focus on what? What God wants to say. Is there, because life can be very distracting. This afternoon I was in the office, you know, many things were happening. After a while, I just said, look, I have to go and teach this evening. I have to get a number of things ready. So what, I, what did I do? Okay, because I realized people were coming in and out. So as soon as my, well, my secretary came to the office and had me sign some papers and you know, do some things and all of that, I told her, I said, Madam, as soon as you step out, I'm just telling only you, in case something important comes up. I said, I'm putting off my light because you can see my office light. You can see, you know, there's a way it is, the corridor. They all have glass on top. So if lights are on in there, you'll see it. So I said, I'm putting off my light, and I'm locking the door. So once we're done, as soon as I stepped out of the door, I just got up, closed the door, <laughs> locked it, put off my light. And of course, after a while, somebody came. You know the way it is? Nobody knocks. They just yank your door open. Somebody ran into my door. The door resisted. Turned the handle. The door resisted. I said, yeah, wow, it's working. Are you getting my point? <laughs> nobody knew I was inside there. I told the secretary there's an emergency, you understand? And then if the other guys, too, I know in an emergency, they will call. So when I see their numbers, I will answer and they ask what's going on. But I'm trying to explain something. Why did I do that? I just wanted to concentrate. I said, look, I'm going to teach this evening. I'm comfortable for our school of prayer. So I needed to just settle down and cool my head down. So I just sat down and stayed there all alone. I stayed there all alone. Why? I wanted to connect with the spiritual realm. That is what the Bible calls a fast for Christians. Do you follow my point? Whether I was hungry or not, it was not the issue. And that is why I say this all the time. If your stomach starts paining you, it's not good. Okay, let's put it like that. It's not good. Say, no, let it pain me. It's for the Lord. It's a lie. That's Hinduism. If you're in a place where grabbing something to kill that edge, you know, will not be a distraction. You're in your own home as an example. And you have something there already cooked, like a, like a, what do you call it? Like bread, like a biscuit. A small drink there. Yes, just walk in there. Just, it's, it's not, you have not broken the fast. That's why Daniel, those three weeks, he too was eating. It's just that he couldn't go for banquets. All the king's banquets, he had to excuse himself. His friends doing naming in the evening. He couldn't go. All the whining and, you know, when you drink wine, you don't hear the spirit. That, you know, there's a reason why they call wine spirit. He's <laughs> a spirit on his own. Thank you. This man is a man of God. <laughs> Say that one is a spirit on his own. That's why Paul had to choose. He said, choose one. Do not be drunk with wine, which comes by taking it in excess. He said, but be drunk with the spirit. Because each one is a spirit. 
Each one is a spirit. When you drink wine, you start having ideas. You start seeing things. You gather an, an, a kind of boldness that only the Holy Spirit can give you normally. <laughs> Do you get what I'm trying to say? So then I had to keep away from all of those things to be able to hear the voice of the Spirit. So if you are not keeping away from things that distract, but just because you are hungry, you think you are fasting, you are wasting your time. You are wasting your time. I've seen people go for weddings before they sit down. People are dancing and celebrating. They offer them a drink. They say, no, I'm fasting. At a wedding. That is real witch. You are a real witch. You don't wish them well. Because if you wish the people well, you will eat with them. The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. How can you come for my wedding and you don't eat? Your, your heart is not with me. You are wishing that this marriage will last one year. <laughs> you can't come for my wedding and tell me that uh, you are fasting. You, are not, you have come for the wedding. You are already, you are there for the wedding. In Jesus' name, you must eat. Say amen. amen. Thank you. Say prayer. <laughs> that you have showed up, you understand? Is enough breaking of fast. If it was like that. Did you get my point? That you showed up in the first place is enough compromise. If there was any. So Christians, listen. That's what our fasting is about. So we keep arranging things. And one of the things I'm learning again to, to emphasize to believers is that God is not a method, He's not a mechanical, you know, not a machine. He's a person. So there are things He wants to tell you, you can't read anywhere directly. So you have to relate with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that will reveal things to you. I prayed like that before. I still remember very well. We were in Winners Chapel, School of Ministry. And one man was leading prayer. Say, so you will pray and say to God, there are prayers to be careful before you pray. When I say careful that, make sure you want to obey before you go and incur sin for yourself. And they said one day some people went to, to you know, one big man in Nigeria was leading prayer. He said, pray that God, before I fall, take me away. If you are ready for that prayer, I want to lead a serious prayer today. Lord, before I fall, take me away from this world. One man of God, they said, he told himself, the righteous fall seven times. <laughs> That you pray the prayer, do you answer anybody? He said, What kind of prayer is that? <laughs> he said, The righteous force seven times. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> the Lord still lifts him up. What are you talking about? You'll die for him for nothing. <laughs> I know that day we were finished hearing the word. Hearing the word powerfully. We just finished hearing the word powerfully. One man said, You will pray, say, God. Anything that is inside my life that is not pleasing you or that's not letting me obey you, Lord, reveal it so that you will remove it. Pray. The Lord didn't let me say the prayer for two seconds till he gave me an answer. An answer so powerful, I fell into my chair. Thank God the chair was strong and I ground up and find myself. I'm telling you the truth. There are some people, you, you are going to pray that prayer this night. Hmm? And believe me, <laughs> you won't like the answer. That business you were doing that you're supposed to get like 10 million over the next two months. That's what God will go for. He does things like that. Say, Lord, anything standing between me and destiny, you will hear the name of your friend to, with which you are doing the business. You have not finished saying, reveal. God said, don't worry. I'm just waiting for you to get there. <laughs> I told you about our brother you know, on Saturday. I was telling you about it here. He was thinking, just speaking. And in that book, 
Don't quit the army. I wrote, don't read this book unless you want to serve God. He did not even read it. He read the cover. He said, just reading the cover, he had to decline an appointment letter from a bank to go and teach in the secondary school or to continue teaching in the secondary school. So he walked in here that day. We didn't have Bible. So just picked the book. I had not seen the book before. Just turned it over and just read the back. And he got an answer he was looking for. Say, so faith does not always give you the... Then I was just teaching that secondary school. They only they just called me and gave me a job in the bank. That's the way we like the testimony. Now this brother said, he said, I kept the letter still in my email. To rem- I'm just adding my own words now. To remind me of what it means to serve the Lord. This is what I'm making. So you see that we deal with a living God. Are you getting my point? We are dealing with a living spirit. That's why we pray. And then he will quicken his word that we've heard here and there in our Bible. And let us know that this is your own prayer point. You pray that prayer. You think has not come. Now, all this while, you know that this rain will fall. So each time you are looking out for the rain. It's not law with the rain fall. The rain will fall. It will fall. It will fall. It's just that between one prayer and the next, sometimes we need to rearrange some things. I hope you're getting my point. Listen, don't let anybody tell you lies that, let me give you an example. Things are not working well. It's because there's an ancestral curse in your family. Look, don't believe such lies. What did I say? The only thing that makes ancestral curses come into people's lives is ancestral misbehavior. So if ancestral misbehavior is not in your life, don't worry about it. You have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Say, I have near success syndrome. 99% 99% of the world has it, so don't think you are special. Don't need any deliverance more than the man next door. Do you follow my point? That's why the Bible says, a righteous man falls seven times. He will do seven businesses, and they won't work. It's not ancestral curse. You must learn to receive only biblical and New Testament explanations. Do you follow my point? It's important. You must learn it. Receive only biblical and what? New covenant, New Testament explanations. Somebody said that you are suffering because of this sin you committed those days before you gave your life to Christ. Say it's a lie. Say it's a lie. Don't be ashamed. Remember that the people want to be feeling bad. Just a sinner saved by grace. All of us are not saved by grace. Those who didn't do anything wrong, they are still sinners saved by grace. Don't come and try and make me feel bad. Find me another explanation. Not that I have not been forgiven. I have been forgiven. Are you getting my point? Let nobody give you explanations like <laughs> is your neighbors or your mother in, your your stepmother that has tied something. Don't ex- those are explanations you must never ever accept. Listen to this, you accept them, you will not have a problem with God. There are explanations that are insulting to him. There are explanations that are ins- look, they are thoroughly insulting. Let us assume now, it didn't happen, but let's assume, assuming that I've been having a, a health challenge for, let's say, three weeks. And then you come to my house, and you look like Fadi Yoluru. You understand? And you show up in my dream first, and I see all the marks, you know, all the things you painted on your face, and the white chalk around your right eye. You show up in my dream, and you do, and in the dream, you hold the stomach that has been paining me, or the leg that has been paining me for three weeks. And I wake up, then you come to my doorstep, and I see you really in real life. Except that this time around you are wearing a suit. You 
in the dream, you were wearing leaves. You know, banana leaf. You know, plantain leaf. You now come in real life, wearing a suit. See, I am the grandmaster of the seventh, seventh black circle lodge. We have decided to frustrate you in this life. We are the ones, and you describe the, you describe accurately the symptoms I've been having for three weeks. Now see, I've been having the symptoms. You showed up in my dream. Now you are in my doorstep. And you say, we are the ones afflicting you. As God lives, Banky will not believe you. I don't believe you. I will tell you, you. Okay, let's, let, let me abuse somebody. I will tell you, you are an idiot. You don't know your occultism. God sees my heart. That is all I will tell you. Listen to this. Saints of God, this man is not lying to you. I will not pray about you. You know why? Do not call a confederacy what these people call a confederacy. Neither fear you their fears. Let the Lord alone be your fear and your dread. I will look at you in the face as God lives. I will tell you, my friend, get out. And that's the truth. At some times, I won't tell my wife the story. She will hear it next year. As long as you live, all I will say is greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You know, I say, but you're having problems. The Bible says, how can one chase a thousand or two chase ten thousand except that their rock gave them up? I turned around to my God. I said, God, is there any problem between you and me? As, as, for, that, as, as for that joker, I won't refer to him. It's an insult to my God. My life is in his hands. That's why I get irritated with testimonies that the witches were afflicting us. I say, all, all you generation of sinners, you know, you just be embarrassing yourself. For the witches to be afflicting you, are a sinner. I will be too ashamed to admit it, that I'm a sinner. So I will not be able to testify that witches were afflicting me for three months, three weeks. What I've told you, I'm not lying about it. In fact, I will even tell the man, Say, now that you, they have tempted you to cross my gate to say this, I hereby give you the, the experience of the man that lied that he killed Saul to David. Go. You know what happened to one man? He came and told David, I'm the one that managed to kill Saul that was wounded. David said, eh. Uh, you know the fear. You touch the Lord's anointed. So for that man who came in my dream and physically who testified of that, I'll just shake my head. I'll just say, Grandmaster of the seventh black circle of the lodge, they need a new Grandmaster. <laughs> because this one is gone. That's what I'll tell the guy. Tell your guys what it takes to get a new Grandmaster because you will no longer be their Grandmaster. Why? You came to say to David, you killed Saul. I know it's not you. <laughs> It's just that you opened your mouth and said it. What does the Bible say about it? He said if it was possible, really, that they were the ones. He says, because my rock gave me up. I will say, where is God my maker? Where is God my owner? I like Paul there. He said, God, who said the angel of God, whose I am and who I serve. I'll just say, Lord, how have we not been serving you appropriately? I will command my conscience to my God. I won't let any lying spirit tell me he has power over me. I will not. Listen to me. 
till I drop dead, God forbid, but if I were to, I still will not change my mind. I like what the Bishop Oedipo said once, very interesting. He said, look, that when I die, let me just tell you now, all of you, don't let any witch come and tell you that they were the ones that killed me, they can't. <laughs> because people, take, they start taking glory. Do you understand? There are times somebody will go mad and shoot ten people. I see, say it is them. A madman takes a gun and kills ten people. Isis will say he's Mujahideen. It's a matter for the, the guy who does not know Isis. He can't even spell them, spell their name. But they like to just claim. It's a man. That's some people be you know. Sometimes you hear Christians give some testimony, they just be angry. Their things should not repeat. So the witches conspired and said that they were the ones that made the men of God in that area fall. Men who were committing their sin, judging their body before. We did not know. In case you're a witch and you're hearing this, let me just tell you. These are the things that make you die. God will just, the mercy wanted to show you before he will change his mind. So did I say I'll show this girl mercy? Say yes. Say no, no more mercy. Why? He opened, she opened her mouth and blasphemed. You go and open your mouth publicly and say that we are the witches in this area that's making the men of God fall or men of God die. God knows it's not you. But for you to open your mouth and say it, he will not kill you and make you. <laughs> let me just say Christians. I have a revelation for today. God kills people. Because all this lie we like to say that God does not reach Satan is a lie. God can even kill Satan. He'll kill people and kill Satan and join. Tell who wants to die? Join. The Lord is good. What am I going to say? Listen, never ex- accept any explanation that's not biblical and it's not new covenant. Never accept it. I would never accept it. Rather, what you do, just keep arranging your life with God's word, with repentance. As he reveals something to you. Holy Spirit has done that for me many times. Sometimes it's in dreams. I just dream a dream. And as soon as I wake up, I know what that dream is saying. And the dream is corrective. Tells you, listen, I don't like the way you've been handling this thing. Just see, just a small flash. But instantly, I just have understanding. That the way you've been handling this, this matter is wrong. Shut your mouth from now on. That's how it works. I said, look, the Holy Spirit, I mean, we're not dealing with, we're not dealing with formula here. We're not dealing with, uh, you know, mechanical thing, methods. No. We are dealing with the Father of Spirits, a living person who knows you. So what is preventing what I'm supposed to experience is this, this, and that. So they want to tackle this. And spiritually, days can be seasons. Some, some of those things, you don't tackle them simply because you're determined to tackle them. You tackle them because God will use experiences to show you that they don't work like that. There are people, of course, this is not a word of knowledge, it's a normal thing. There are people here that God has tried to explain to you, cursed be the man who trusts in flesh. You don't want to agree. Because you have many fleshes. You like my English? <laughs> you have many fleshes to trust in. You know the governor, you know the senator, you know the the chief of staff in Abuja. You know people. So God said, cost is the one who trusts in flesh. Say, it's true. I don't mind them to be trusting in flesh. Me, I don't trust in flesh. I just trust in people that I know. <laughs> they are not flesh. God said, no problem, no problem. God will now systematically give you the kind of disappointment in life you did not know possible. Then when you have been disappointed very well, you now come for a Bible study. 
They now read that scripture to you again. Cursed is the one who trusts the flesh. You will shout, Amen. They say, Bros, why are they amen loud like this? He said, the word is real. The word is true. The word of <laughs> Look, <laughs> it's because God allowed the world to show you that the word is true. It was word versus word. <laughs> The Lord is good. <laughs> no, that's it. So that, that's for God. That's day one. That's for him day one. And listen to this. There is no place that human beings that you know can take you to. That the God who has a plan for you can take you to that the place ten times higher than that. As a matter of fact. Christians should learn to enjoy disappointments. Because they are really God's lessons in their lives. Disappointments are the lessons of God. That's what they are. Let's bear it in mind. So, that's why Elijah keeps going, keeps praying, his servant keeps going and coming back until he sees a little thing that encourages him. And it's because he's persistent as a result of foreknowledge. The foreknowledge being the word of God. Prayer is not possible, I said, except there is expectation in the heart. It is what we expect that we're able to pray about. And what we expect is what God has spoken, not what we have desired. It's what he has spoken, not what we have what? Desired. Christians focus too much on desire. No, it's what he has spoken. And that's why prayers must be... In fact, what are you, okay, let's open our Bibles. Okay, let, let me not get into the thing I want to teach today. That one is just um, what we have taught before. The Lord is good. Let's open to that book of Habakkuk that I said we will go to. What I want to say to Christians is that you have to learn to respect prophecies. The Bible says, despise not prophesying. The problem we have had in Christianity is that there are too many fake prophets out there who think that prophesying is telling the future. Are you getting my point? Predicting. Who will win Manchester United versus Southampton? I think the same league, I don't know. And the same league, eh? Yes, because I'm not a football guy. <laughs> prophesying. You know, people get distracted into prophesying, you know, predicting. At the beginning of the year, you feel like you owe people to tell them what will happen this year. That's not prophesying. No. It's not prophesying. When it comes to true prophecies, they come in different um, types. The ones that come with the word of knowledge... A prophecy is just a declaration from the Almighty. Many times it does not tell you what will happen tomorrow. It just tells you what you are supposed to do today. It's still a prophecy. In fact, if you read the Bible, most prophecies are corrective. They correct people. All right? But sometimes the Lord will tell you what he wants to do so that you can walk with him, you can cooperate with him. You cooperate with him in prayer. You cooperate with him in let me study it that way, the other way around. You cooperate with him in having that expectation, which we said generates prayer. Are you getting my point? It lets you know his plan. That's prophecy. Prophecy is looking into the heavens and seeing the plan of God. It's not show off. It's not show off. Daniel gave us prophecies. And in it, he saw the plan of God for thousands of years ahead. Do you understand? So I want Christians to understand. Our, our, our faith is not a dead faith. It's living. It's active. It's active. It's active. That is, let me explain what I'm going to say. The Joseph anointing 
is still available. Yes, do you know what I, do you know what that means? What is the Joseph anointing? He knows when abundance is coming. He knows how to, or it knows how to handle the abundance, so that at the end of the day, the Pharaoh in quotes now will have become very wealthy. Lives will have been preserved, and somebody will have become very wealthy. That that anointing is still available. I think Christians have to learn something. I'm digressing now, but I need to digress. Christians have to learn, all right, that the things we do, they are like you go to work every day, you you start a business, you know, you count your money, you pay your staff, you do stuff like that. That's not your destiny. That is your exercise. Did you hear what I said? What did I call it? It's your exercise. It's called occupy with this until I come. It's be busy. The servant that knows what to do and is doing it. That's what the Bible calls you. Is knowing what to do and being busy doing it. Real destiny is a gift of God. He will return one day and say, be in charge of ten cities. How he won the ten cities, none of your business. The cities are not yours. Just you be in charge of ten cities. You be in charge of five cities. That's what destiny is for believers. What we are doing every day is being busy, occupied, exercising. Some of you, and it's like that, everybody. People come from different homes. Some people, they came from homes where their parents had so much money and they don't remember to teach them how to manage money. Do you understand what I'm saying? As soon as iPhone came out, your father bought one for himself, one for your mother, and one for all of you. You don't know how not to have something. You don't know how to, you know, uh, not to have everything you are wanting being given to you. Those are the kind of people that God will now, after they give their lives to Christ, God will now post them to NYC. They'll be doing rural rugged. The only money, and God will let them know through many manifestations that the only thing, you know, that the only money you're allowed to receive is the one that federal government gives you. For the first time in your life, you know how to change the battery of a phone. You've never done it before. Your phone wants to die before you call your father. The Holy Spirit will, 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 will show up to you and say, what, did you, what were you thinking? You know, there are thoughts as you are having them. The Lord is already judging them. I like an Hagen story. He said, I woke up one day, went to go and pee. It was blood that came out. Ah, he prayed. Blood was still coming out. So he said, Lord, what is going on? He said, did I hear you think? About starting a church on the campus of Rima Bible, Bible School. He said, I was just thinking about it. He said, you're not allowed to think about it. He said, you're not allowed to think. The thought is not allowed to stay on your mind. He said, Lord, I'm not thinking again. I'm not thinking again. Then he prayed again. The bleeding stopped. And that's how the bleeding disappeared. Then you have to go and see a doctor to check what's going on in his prostate. He just needed to keep his thoughts away from establishing a church. Look, listen, in Christianity, our God is alive. Sometimes he will look at you and say, what are you eating? You think food is going out of fashion? Derek Prince said he had infective endocarditis. He was in the hospital for weeks. And the problem was that God did not like the way he used to eat. So one the Holy Spirit told him that you have gained too much weight. Go and shed it. One major American preacher, <laughs> Ken Hagin was a prophet. The Lord revealed to him that that man is going to die. One of the reasons, there are three reasons he was going to die. One of them is that he liked food too much. 
and God was unhappy, then why will a person be eating like this? Can you believe that? Look, we are not Muslims. So. We are not Hindus. Our God is a person. Jesus is like is everything. One of them is like his senior brother. That, that the father has said, take care of that boy for me. You come to your, wake up my friend, you are still sleeping by six. Or by seven. You know when lecture is supposed to start by eight o'clock, you are still sleeping. Is that real? Is that alive? <laughs> there are things I don't want to say openly. Eh? I will share with some of you guys later. That happened to me. A simple prayer I prayed. The way God answered it. Why I don't want to share it openly is that people will misjudge it. But I understand what happened. I just prayed a simple prayer. In Port Harcourt. I went for a program. I went to preach. I just in my hotel room, I just prayed one prayer to the Lord about something. Just simple prayer. Lord, you know. This thing, if you don't like it, let me know. That kind of simple prayer. <laughs> now, I didn't see this, but I imagine it happened. The Lord said, no problem. Good. An angel walked into my room, <laughs> ransacked my bag, collected things from inside, and left. And I just looked and said, this angel said, I don't even get, you should know some things are valuable. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it really is. Because the day I, will, I got a job, I had given my friends the, appoint, the, the address of the place. Come and see me there. I went to go and greet them. I was supposed to work the next day, on Friday. I went to, on Thursday, I was going to greet the guys. I said, hey, guys, I'll see you tomorrow. I realized that they had withdrawn the, they had withdrawn the offer shortly after my NYC. I said, why? The, the admin officer couldn't answer me. I called the MD. And that day, I remember as I was driving away from, I tried, I called the man. He was talking like this, you know. He didn't give me a straight answer. Anyway, I, I told him, I'm not, I don't have to, this job is not that crucial, but I just wanted to know what's going on. They didn't give me any answers. I was driving away from there because I now went, I brought my cousin's car. I drove to the place to go and see the admin manager. He was just talking, he was being evasive. So I got up and I drove away. As I was leaving, I remember on Anthony Bridge. I said, Lord, I want to see that man on the road. And I said, I want to hate that man. I want to. I said, I want to see him on the road and knock him down with a car. I remember those were the very words I said to the Lord. That's knocking him down. I said it. And I said, but Lord, you know what? I can't. Why can't I? It was almost as if, I didn't see it, but in my mind it was so clear. As if I saw the Lord bring a hand out of heaven, get into the employment basket, remove my appointment letter, tear it, and say, you're not working there. So next day, and I got a job three times, paying three times that much. Say lie. Eight months I was jobless. That about seven, eight months. Didn't have anything to do. This was like November. I started working the following year, July. And listen, that day as I was leaving, I said to the Lord, why are you taking this away? What's wrong with the job? I mean, I'm a post-NYC young doctor. I could get, just get some. And they were paying well. Their salary, they asked me how much I wanted to earn. I told them, they said, no, they have their own salary scale, which was 25% more than what I asked for. You understand? So I liked the idea, but they, Lord, I just said, Lord, why did I could my mind's eyes, I could see it being taken away. The day I got the next job as began in July the following year, the one I was telling you about. Let me tell you what happened. That day I just got home. I look back now, the Lord will show me mercy, okay? But my young attitude that time, I just came home and just rebelled. I told the Lord, no, I'm tired. I need to work. You no, know, I'm looking back now. 
I'm just imagining the Lord was saying, what do you want to work? I've given you a job. Driving is a job. I was driving, yes. I was driving my cousin. I was living with my cousin. I look back now. I think the Lord just, I didn't understand as much as I know now. If I did, I wouldn't have prayed that prayer. The Lord would just say, you want to work. For what now? I gave you shelter. I've given you food. My auntie I was driving was well to do. And I, I need to go to important places, meet important people, eat important food. <laughs> yes, I'm serious. My auntie didn't use to eat normal bread. We drive from, uh, from uh, Obaniko, uh, uh, Pangrove. When she wants to eat bread, I would drive from there to Ikeja to go and buy big treats. I drive all the way to Okwebi. Those of you know Lagos. I want to buy bread. And then we used to eat the bread together. All I needed to do was complain, say, I don't have shirts again. We would drive to a shop, you pay for the shirts, and I'll wear them. I mean, it was that easy. But I just wanted to work, which made sense. I wanted to work. No, the day I came home and I rebelled, I said, Lord, this is enough. I remember then before that, okay, I went to Benin. As soon as I went for my local convention, from Unibengate, I took a bike. As I was coming down, my friend Chooks, who lives in Houston now, he said, hey, black. That's how he greeted me. I hear you are the only jobless doctor in Nigeria. He's a very funny person. He's a real comedian. <laughs> As I greeted me, this was local was in you know end of April. By the end of June, beginning of June, I just told the Lord, I am tired. I need to get a job. God said, Alright, fine, I'll solve it. I said it this evening. Next morning, somebody just knocked and said, Somebody's looking for you. So I came out. I just saw one of my seniors from school, my fellowship brethren. Ah, what's happening? He said, take this address down. Go there. They need a doctor. I said this to the Lord yesterday. Next month, the guy was in my house. I took the address down and went there. So some person said I should come. He said, all right, when can you start work? They employed me immediately. They said they need a doctor for night. They need a doctor that will work at night. This evening, I prayed it. Next morning, our God is alive. He's not a principle. He's not a method. He's a living person. Next morning, I walked in that clinic for 13 months before I resigned. And when I resigned, let me tell you stories. When I resigned, because then I now started my postgraduate in Lewis. This was months, months later. When I did, I resigned to join a church. I won't tell you the name of the church. A church you all of you know till today. I resigned to join the church. I used to go there for services when I had time. So I resigned because I wanted to join them, join their workforce. I said, Banky, you're supposed to be a preacher. What are you doing, you know, this work you are doing? I work in, in, in Luth in the mornings and at night. I go to this clinic where I was working before I started working in Luth. I said, no, this is not right. And in case you do not know, they were paying me 50% more. I didn't say extra. 50% more than federal government was paying me working in Luth. Federal government was paying me 6000 at that time a month. They were paying 9000 for me to work in the evenings. Yet I resigned it. It's not be today person killed uh, Ishmael. We have killed Ishmael before. That's why slaughtering Isaac is not a big deal. I, le- I went there. I left there, went home, and started managing my little money. Dropped my income by almost 70%. That time when my wife resigned from working in the bank. People say, ah, income. I said, what is the big deal? I've done things like worse things before. They won't use income to control my life. True. At the, at the church I said I attended, I entered the service. Now, time to come and work for God. I saw two angels. I don't know why I just keep on saying two. I didn't see them, but I think I felt them. They just come, all wrap my face like this. 
That service, I couldn't breathe. I could not breathe. I tried to breathe. Physically, I could breathe. But spiritually, I was choking. It was as if we stay here long enough, you will die. As now the service ended, you see the way I run. I literally ran out of the church. Not that I came out of the church. The angel removed his uh, nylon bag where he keep on my face. <laughs> Tell the truth. Remove the nylon bag. And what I heard in my mind was, if I see you here again, he said, don't worry. don't worry, you won't see me there again. Look, God is alive. He wants to talk to you and let you know what you are doing wrong. That's the point I'm trying to make. Make corrections. Like I gave as an example. Some people say, look, all your life, your father has spoiled you. Let me repay you. So he sent you for NYC. He said, if you call home, if you call home, I will enjoy you. And you will know. Your phone will spoil. For one year, for the first time in your life, you will manage. You will budget. How much do they give coppers now? 19,800. Yeah, it's very good to train sports children. Yes, it's very small money, honestly. Today's Nigeria. That money is small. In today's Nigeria, it's small. In fact, you can't even buy, you, you go back to flashing your father. You can't even call anybody. Now, that 198, God won't tell you, say, listen, no. you will tight from that money. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Papa Samaki, he said, he said, hey, <laughs> it's not about the law. It's about me telling you that I need to squeeze you. Then you will go in fellowship one day, and NYC will now say that we normally collect one, you know they do it. Uh, so NCCF, so here. NCCF will say they will collect one whole month's allowee. <laughs> <laughs> Holy Spirit will say, oh yeah, drop, that's your first fruit. Put hand down. But believe me, at the end of one year, God will have corrected what your parents managed to spoil for 20-something years. God will correct it in a few months. No, that's what God does to us as believers. Why? Because where he's taking us to, eyes have not seen it. Ears have not heard of it. It has not entered the heart of even you that he wants to do in your life. What he has prepared for you. Say, but I have to prepare you for that thing. That's what he does. That's what he does. That's why you find that Elijah may keep going and coming, keep going and coming. It's not as if God can answer him once. God said, we are putting things together by prayer. You can't change yourself. You pray to change yourself. Are you getting my point? You can't. You can't change it by yourself. What God just does, all he does is expose you to what is wrong. Say, where are you? That's what he said to Adam. You now realize, where, where am I? I'm spoiled. I'm impatient. I can't, I can't go hungry for a day. And God said, fine. So at the end of NYC, I, real, I put patience in you. You will have learned obedience through the things that you suffered. That's it. That's one season. That's just the first going of the servant of the prophet. Your father has money. He has to deliver you from trusting in it. That's another one year. Sometimes six months. Sometimes it's five years. A man told me once. He was just showing, he was showing gratitude to what God had done in his life. He said, my parents are well to do, but I work in a place where they have not paid us for months. He said, but sir, we talking about what the word of God had done in his life. That's what I was talking about. What, how God had changed him. He said, I realized I couldn't go home. He said, my parents are well to do. I said, so? He said, so I learned to go and paint. <laughs> I don't know that you get the point. Multi-millionaire son. 
Say, I learned to go and paint houses. Not, not Picasso, I mean, brush, roller. My, my friends were building. So I went there, what guys what can I do? They taught me to paint. I said, I painted. Why? He said, my, he said, I have a wife, I have two children. They have to eat. Did you, did you hear what I said? I said, I have a wife, I have two children. They have to eat. I can't go back home at this age to be begging my father for money. So, so I learned to paint houses. You can imagine somebody painting a house. Telling you a story. Ah, that time, what would they do buy? <laughs> you know, you'll be like, is this guy joking? They, they were arguing about something. They said, no, no. In Atlanta, you know, when you across, when you get to this part, he's describing Atlanta for you. Telling you what the airport is like. You'll be looking like, this painter joking? <laughs> but he's not lying. He's been everywhere. He's painting because God had taught him obedience through suffering. <laughs> you get the point I'm making? Listen, that's what God is doing in our lives, though. Let's read this scripture and let's close. We can't, I wanted to teach it, but I can't. Let's just read it. Then we'll, we'll go home. I was trying to say that Christians, let's learn to live a prophetic life. Let's recognize that the Holy Spirit is alive. He's going to lead you. He's going to lead you. Please, go and read my book. Please, special recommendation for today. Guided by the Spirit. Okay, if you go to the website, one click. But please, between now and next week, read it. If you can read it three times, I would like that. Guided by the Spirit. Some people need to be led by God into what he wants them to do. But I want everybody to read it. Everybody, if you are here, you are listening to me. Read Guided by the Spirit this week. I think Holy Spirit wants to start leading people properly. It's important to read the book because there are two sides to it. There's been a mess that we have made as believers. Every day, the Lord said to me, the Lord didn't see anything. So that has become a mess. But we need to discover that which is right. Yeah, we need to discover what is right. Let's know different methods. Many times he will lead, he won't talk to you. He never spoke the way we talk about speaking now to David about being a king. Neither did he discuss that with Joseph. Joseph had a dream. He didn't know how to, he didn't know, he didn't know he was ever going to live in Egypt in his life. But he was just faithful. David was faithful on a daily basis, taking care of the sheep. Joseph was faithful on a daily basis as a slave. They lied against him. He landed in prison. He was faithful on a daily basis as a prisoner. So God leads different ways, yet they were in the center of God's will. Sometimes it speaks through dreams. Through our experiences, it speaks. But I want people to just realize the, the, the reality of the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives so that God can bring to pass that which he wants to do. I want Christians to start living prophetic lives. God will send words of prophecies to you. You have to, you have to know how to discern what is right and what is wrong. Let's just read this. I want to close. Habakkuk said in verse two, in chapter two, verse one, "I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me, and how I may reply when I am reproved." And the Lord answered me and said, "Record the vision. That is when you see it, because I will keep watch to see. I want to see what he will speak." When you see what I'm speaking, you record the vision, inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run. Let me just stop reading here. Now, what, what, what I just read there is to just, I wanted to, what I, what I intend to explain is that 
a prayer warrior must be a prophetic person. You must know how to descend genuine prophecies. You understand? Because actually, we end up mixing two things here. Being an intercessor and then taking hold of God's promises for your lives, for our lives. Now, but there are two sides to it. Being an intercessor is an example, let's say, for a nation. You have to know how to descend the, what the Holy Spirit has spoken concerning a nation like this and how to pray with such things. Are you getting my point? Like I said on Saturday, God has to change a culture around us for him to be able to manifest some of the prophecies that he has issued. A prayer warrior is a prophetic-minded person. You understand? Not looking for lame prophecies. Your person just understands the role of prophecies in life. That's what a prayer warrior is. Some of the traits, and that's what I wanted to discuss. But let's just stop it here because of our time. I hope you are blessed today. Yes, Can we just bow down our heads and let us pray? And remember that prayer point. Say, Lord, whatever it is that's in my life that needs to go, reveal it and remove it. Say, Lord, whatever it is that's in my life, just thank the Lord for today. Say, Lord, I thank you. Say, Lord, I thank you for understanding. Thank you for insight. I want to pray this prayer. Say, Lord, as I pick the book guided by the Spirit, speak to me. I want to know how to descend the genuine Spirit of God. So that when the Lord comes by different manifestations, I will not miss it. I want us to pray about that. That Look, as I take that book and I begin to study, Holy Spirit, enlighten me. Lead me into the center of the will of God. Let me not be rebellious. Your first obedience is to pick the book and read. Remember, you can download it from the website. It's there. Pastor.ng. Guided by the Spirit. Under the book segment. Say, Holy Spirit, lead me. Guide me. I receive grace to walk in the will of God for my life. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Father, we give you thanks for today. Thank you because you are alive and present by the Holy Spirit in the lives of your children. According to the promise of the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with us always. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We recognize you again in our lives. Thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Can we just, let's rise to our feet and share the grace in fellowship. Father, we thank you for today. As your children go home, Lord, goodness is going with them in the name of Jesus. Mercy goes with them in the name of Jesus. That mercy, that goodness repels evil from their lives in the name of Jesus Christ and attracts the blessings of God in manifestation in Jesus' name. Healing, total health is your right. Is your right, is your right. So, say I claim it. I receive it. It is mine. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, that's it. It's it. You are healed totally Amen. from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Amen. Let me just drop a word of advice. Refuse to be used to sickness. Just are managing it. Church, you don't manage it. Get well. Amen. Do you get my point? Yes, Listen to this. Say, man, when I finish saying it, all right? Life is working in you. Amen. It's wiping out every infirmity. Amen. It's restoring you to perfect health Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, let's share grace in fellowship. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. 
We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication and dominion and shining forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now bless four people around you. Four. One. This is your season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth.